Welcome to No Clip. I'm Chad Irwin. I'm JJ Artemis. And I'm Andy Kank. And today we're going to be talking about Dark Souls. Dark Souls is a game that was released in 2011 by From Software. Uh, it's an action RPG. And I just played it for the first time over the past six weeks. And I gotta say, it has been a roller coaster ride. <laughs> Wait, we played for six weeks? Yeah. That I mean, makes a lot of sense in retrospect. <laughs> I played, I think my final game time was somewhere around like. It was close to like 50 hours, which I think is like expected. I think 60 is closer to the average, but. I don't it took help. us both like, what, like 80 hours? To I, yeah, out. it was longer than that. Yeah. Well, I did play Super Cheese Mode. So, everybody but, helped you win. Yeah, there's lots of. We'll get into that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the game has, like, playing the game has been a roller coaster ride in that it has its ups and its downs, and it was exciting, but most of the time playing the game I spent waiting in line, wishing I had gotten, like, a fast pass so that there was less just standing around doing nothing. Wait, what? You know, like in a roller coaster, you wait in line for no, a long time and then rise like 30 seconds long. I understand how fast passes work. Right. I am unclear when you are standing still in Dark Souls. Well, I just mean that the parts of the game that I liked were very, like, enjoyable, but all the stuff that I didn't like took so long and was so much of the game. So that is my brilliant analogy. I see. Yeah. I see. <laughs> don't you love roller coasters though I do um, I don't just to get that on the record yeah uh, as a like yeah. total weirdo so <laughs> you picked water slides over roller coasters I did um, <laughs> just, just to uh, I guess kind of like get this out of the way like I want to give myself like a little thesis statement mm-hmm. go for it uh, I feel like I am not particularly qualified to lead this discussion. See, I'm glad that you have a thesis, because I wouldn't know where to start. Right. <laughs> uh, so, just, I don't really like Dark Souls. And it took me a long time to figure out, like, exactly why that was. But the thing that makes Dark Souls, like, a good game for the people that like it is that Dark Souls is a game that respects the player. It respects that you are, like, smart enough and skilled enough to get through its challenges. It doesn't over-celebrate your victories, and it doesn't, like, mock you for your losses. It just is Dark Souls. But what the game doesn't respect is your time. Dark Souls respects everything that you do, but you have to keep coming back and, like, make yourself become good at the game. And I feel like people like me who, like that is a ma- major negative, are going to be rubbed the wrong way by this game. So much build-up for so long. And now, that it, now that it's here, your, your actual summarization. If, if this wasn't clear to you know our fellow podcast listeners, this has been an up-and-coming discussion for a very long time that we've had to continuously like choke back in our own throats. Yeah. Because Andy and I both played through this game I actually forget why originally what turned us on to Dark Souls. I remember I introduced it to you, but I forget where I... I think your sister told you that you wanted to play it? You're right. My sister told me to play Dark Souls. Uh, So, this had been like a very, very slow burn through our lives for quite a long time. Yeah. It's a game that like from the moment I saw it, I wanted to play it because like there's so much about it that seems cool and good, but whenever I'm actually in Dark Souls, I feel like 
just so bad most of the time. I had the exact opposite experience. <laughs> like, I had heard of Dark Souls and never really thought anything of it. And then I watched JJ play it, and I was like, it seems cool. Like, into the world, etc., etc. But, man, I feel like I would hate this game if I actually tried to play it. But, because I'm, like, the fact that I like fantasy video games so much is why I ended up playing it. And it's, like, my third favorite game I've ever played. So that's, uh, that was my experience. (laughs) Dark Souls is very much like a... It's become a very, like, canonical game in, like, the video game, like... World? Yeah. Because it's a, it's a game that, like, most people associate with, like, the older, like, tough-as-nails game crowd that, like, doesn't like the, big quotes, baby babification <laughs> yeah. of modern gaming. Uh, and so, yeah, like... Accessibility. Yeah, issues. and th- this, like, sort of relentless game that, uh doesn't hold your hand through things. Yeah. Uh, these are just terms that yeah. get thrown yeah. around a lot. I've heard I'm this game spouting described <laughs> as if somebody made was like, let's make Zelda now. Mm. Like, it just completely open, like, lets you explore and find things at your own pace and doesn't tell you where anything is. And to clarify, literal Zelda. Like, the actual Yeah, like the, the game, NES. Like, the Legend, the Legend Zelda. of Zelda. Yeah. Right. Not like if they remade Ocarina of Time or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, not The that. original ideas behind the Legend of Zelda series are all present here. Which, and, yeah, it's just an interesting comment that I had never thought about before, so I don't want to take credit for that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it is, I mean, it is, like, a comparison that I feel like if you're an avid Zelda player picking up this game, you will definitely draw some level of comparisons too, but uh, this game is a lot yeah. deeper in its only, systems. Yeah, only specifically the original, I think. Yeah. Okay. Now that I've let your thesis gestate a little bit in my mind, what are the specific points where you feel like Dark Souls just intentionally was wasting your time? I don't think Dark Souls is intentionally wasting my time. I say it doesn't respect your time, because what... It doesn't... I'm trying to, like, put this in words. It's like, when you play Dark Souls, you have to go through each thing at the same... Like, there's nothing changes in between, like, playthroughs of an area unless you enact them. So, while the game does have, like, shortcuts and additional bonfires and things like that, like, when you are struggling with a thing, you just have to get through the whole gauntlet, right? Like, rather than with some games where it's like if you clear an area, then that area no longer has enemies in it, mm-hmm. everything just resets in Dark Souls. So, if you're having an issue, and especially if, like me, you get extremely frustrated having to do the same thing multiple times, uh, when you when you go through an area again, you're gonna to want to like like okay, I've done this. Like I just want to go to the next thing, and you end up getting murdered because you took it too hastily. And like anything in this game can kill you. Yeah. Like one of the 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 combat system is one of is the strongest thing I think the Dark Souls brings to the table, and uh, which we'll I'm sure discuss in length. Because of, like, what a significant thing it is. But just the nature of it doesn't allow you to, like, brashly go through encounters. The systems of Dark Souls, outside of the boss fights, which make things very clear, 
that your goal in those cases is to like overcome this specific obstacle. Outside of those circumstances, the goal is actually not an overworld traversal, I think, to overcome specific encounters, because that narrows the focus too small of what you're trying to do. Like the, the reason that they implemented the bonfire system is because they wanted your goal in the overworld not to be, like, beat this monster once, but it's traversing from one area to the other. It changes the wind condition from something like beating a boss in the same way that they have in the boss encounters into, like, survive in a kind of, like, oppressive, sad way that the game was trying to impose upon you the whole time. Which, yeah, I sympathize. You're correct in that it forces you to repeat these actions over and over again. But... It's part the, of the theme of the game. Yeah. They, they're they quite aware of that. Uh, <laughs> that. Yeah. <laughs> the, the marketing is, exaggerates it, I think, since everything was intentionally supposed to be so I think, I think it's fair to just say that it exaggerates it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there, there are no caveats necessary. The marketing exaggerated it to the point where it somehow produced Dark Souls 2. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't know how that happened exactly, but... <laughs> yeah, the marketing was, I think, taken to so far that it, like, is funny. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, yeah. We yeah. all we do is make fun of Prepared to Die <laughs> edition all the time. Yeah, have you guys actually seen the new trailer they released for Dark Souls 3 that's like an eighties commercial? No, that I sounds seen it. awesome. Dark yeah, Souls yeah. 3 is out now, by the way. I don't know if you're aware. Not in the US. It comes out the sixteenth. It'll be out. Thank you for making me aware of that, because I was about to quit this podcast. So you just save the <laughs> and cast. And play Dark Souls 3. <laughs> it's out in Japan. Right, yeah. I so I guess they would still release ads for it. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. There's an 80s Dark Souls 3 commercial. But anyway, back to what you were saying originally. I was saying Yes. <laughs> you were in the middle of talking about... How the uh, areas are... The, oh, yeah. How, how, the, from... how the wind condition yeah, of overworld traversal is not beating specific encounters like it is in almost every other video game. Right. Yeah. Well, it is in certain areas. I mean, let me... Let, let me... Because I don't disagree with what you're saying at all. Um, it's just like, they're... Basically, uh, Dark Souls gives you... Well, it lets you sort of choose what your objectives are going to be. Um, like, the NPCs are there to either be helped or ignored. Uh, and... A large part of what actually marks your progression through the game are the like items and things that you find mm-hmm. because I, those maintain after you die, um, even if you don't rest at a bonfire. So there are definitely areas where it's like there will be like an enemy encampment around an item where your goal in that instance is to kill those enemies and take the item or take a fucking bucket. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in which case, you likely will not have to encounter those enemies again. But I'm not saying that the goal of the overworld traversal is to, uh, like, slay all the enemies in the area. In fact, I agree with you completely on, like, the game's delineation of, like, this is the exploring part of the game where you walk around and, like, get things and you might kill the enemies if you want to look around or you might go past them if you just want to move on. Uh, And, like, the boss fights where you actually have to kill the boss to progress. I just, the enemies are your primary obstacles in getting around. There's very little in terms of, like, platforming or puzzle solving. It's it's very combat-oriented. And so, I, I say that it's, it's belittling the combat, like, the importance of the combat a little bit to say that it's not really necessary when 
like going through an area in terms of achieving your goals. Oh, that's definitely an exaggeration of the point. It's absolutely necessary, but what I'm talking about is the use of your interactions, not the specific interactions you have. You use combat and Dark Souls overworld traversal to survive, not to like beat things on the run right. If you're already good enough at the game with a thing that you find fun and engaging is running around finding enemies to kill, like you're so good that you might as well be not be playing Dark Souls anymore. Right? Like you don't... What do you first... play when you're too good for Dark Souls? <laughs> I don't I don't know. I Dark Souls PvP. It was a trick question. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, like, like, like the headspace when you're in, when you're trying to like get through Dark Souls, isn't excitingly trying to look through new encounters to overcome, right? It's always this kind of, like, pall of, like, fear and depressed sadness because you're so vulnerable in comparison to other games that you can possibly get through. That's definitely true. And you can see uh, that reflected in the fact that, like, the enemy and the player share the same, like, stats. Like, you have the same... A lot of them use the same equipment and items that you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so you end up with these, like encounters where uh, you can clearly see based on the damage that you're doing that like Skelly B. Johnson has like three times as much HP that you do Mm -hmm. and it's like very clearly shown on screen (laughs) and so it's just like you just have to be better than everyone that you encounter Mm. it's yeah Uh, it's it is that exactly where it is like oppressive to a certain extent, where you're, uh, just, like, time in the world is basically spent trying to not to die. Uh, but, I mean, I feel like the most fun that I actually do have in this game is just, like, freewheeling around an area and just killing everything I find. Like, actually yeah. progressing through the game isn't that fun to me, but fighting, and, it, like, if, they, if there was a version of Dark Souls that existed in just, like, a plain white arena and they just like dropped enemies in i would still enjoy the combat because it's so well put together so that's just the most fun that i have actually playing yeah yeah i was interested because chad and i talked about this point a little bit before the cast you know because we can't help ourselves (laughs) Um, (laughs) but i was interested to hear your, your take on it jj because like I know this, like, the whole, like, having to fight the enemies on the way back to the boss and having to, like, do things over and over again mm-hmm. is, like, a big draw for people who really like these games. And I fall into that camp, so I was having a hard time, like, kind of, like, debating it in, like, Wait, a... So you're, you actively enjoy, for example, being forced before the Quilog fight... They have to like run through, kill a bunch of the bugs, navigate your way around the guys with the rocks. Get That's a bad there. example. Oh, sure. What's because a good example? Blighttown is awful. Um, <laughs> sure. Didn't mean to bring Blighttown into this discussion. I actually don't hate Blighttown. Oh, well, anyway. Okay, there we go. Yeah. I think that's as far as I'm going to we'll go. Circle what, what is a good example? Um, pick just another boss. Having uh, to go like to the Bell Gargoyles. Okay. We'll pick that one. First boss. Sure. Or potential first boss. Um, having to make my way from the bonfire next to Andre back up to the Belgar gar- gargoyles, I find like a satisfying experience before I fight them again. Huh. And I think like people who like well, I did some googling, yeah, 
And that is like a big draw for people who like these games. It's like the challenge of getting back to the boss before you can fight him. Interesting. I always sort of treated all of those circumstances. Once I was in like the boss headspace where I was no longer just trying to like explore and not die, but instead knew that I had like a specific goal that I needed to complete, I treated them like practice. I forget who it was, whether it was like you or Daniel or someone else who thought that was a, a strange attitude to have because I almost never like ran past enemies because I, I thought at the time when I was going through the game that if I couldn't get through these smaller guys what hope do I have for the larger challenge right. and would constantly use them to like refine myself now, that's like a pretty common attitude to have when playing these games yeah my see my thoughts on it are a little bit different though I, I agree with uh, like being able to overcome the smaller enemies is useful in like being prepared to go against the boss the thing that i don't like is just that like because of the way that the combat system works it's like you could easily make a stupid mistake and not be at like full like potential when going into the boss arena Mm -hmm. and the only reason i think that makes a difference for me specifically is because i don't like the bosses uh or i didn't initially I, I feel like I might have a slightly different opinion of it now, but I... The early bosses do feel, like, really oppressive. <laughs> <laughs> but those are some of my favorite ones. Well, when the As you progress through the game, I feel like there were fewer, like, cool bosses and more just, like, challenging bosses. But we will get yeah, we'll to get bosses. There. I feel like for, for good context and comparison here, I'm the kind of person who, who's... Like, my favorite, like, recurring game series at the moment is Fire Emblem, which is a game in which if you make one tiny stupid mistake, your last hour of work is gone. Right. That's a game that I could not play. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's a difference in, like, it just, yeah, what you enjoy in games, I think. Because, like, pe- like, people who like these games, and I fall into that camp very strongly, as I've said, but, like, the challenge of having to, like, go through the area to get to the boss, it's just, like, it's, like, imposing more challenge on yourself. Right. Like you could run past them all, but a lot of people will be like, oh, I don't want to, like, cheese the game. Like, I want to, like, beat all the enemies on the path to the boss, get to the boss and beat him, even if that means I have to, like, use some of my resources to get to it. It's just, like, the added challenge is satisfying to some people. And to take it even further, to get more into my headspace, is I like kind of, like, the cooldown time in between. Like, having to, like, beat all the enemies to get to the boss, like, builds up my anticipation... And it makes me, like, it gives me time to think, like, what I'm going to do different on the boss. And it's, like, it preserves some of the feeling of fighting the boss for the first time every time I fight it. Would you, to add to that point, by comparison, prefer a system, uh... Yeah, you as in Chad. Cool. Uh, prefer a system, sort of like, uh, what's that, God, I can't remember, like the run and gun game that you love to death, uh, that, like... Masks, hotline Miami. costume, yeah, like a hotline Miami system yeah, in which you, uh, upon dying to a boss, you immediately, just immediately respawn, respawn. Like after you go through the fog gate with all the same stats and weapons and items and stuff. Um, I'm going to say no specifically for this game. Uh, the the I love hotline Miami as I've said like way too many times. <laughs> uh, and other like and like Super Meat Boy games that have like incredibly short iteration times, mm-hmm. but that's because. Like, in Hotline Miami, or in Super Meat Boy, for example, like, just great examples all around, uh, 
the reason the iteration time being so low is actually a benefit to the game is because they're, for, both of them start you in a safe place. So if you need a cooldown time, you can just like sort of shake off and like wait for and think for a second if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the challenge of those games is getting through the area, not overcoming a boss. So the the iteration time works because you just like you die you try again you try a different thing you die you try again with dark souls it's like so much of the game is spent not fighting bosses that like if they just had that weird re- like a weird like instant respawn for bosses it would take away some of like the atmosphere of the game itself i think i think tone overcomes like convenience in this situation right um i think this is a game that has very old school design sensibilities, right? Uh, In the sense that, like, it is just going to require a large time investment. Yeah. And Super Meat Boy and Hotline Miami are very very more modern sensibilities where they're, like, satisfying to play in small chunks. Mm -hmm. And if you're the kind of person that likes that... In fact, I highly recommend not playing either of those games in long chunks, or else, like, the world turns, like, a deep turquoise and your eyes fall out of your head. (laughs) (laughs) Why is turquoise your, like, psychotic color? For some reason, that's that's the most prominent color in Hotline Miami. Like turquoise and magenta. Those are are your acid trip colors. And like chartreuse. Yeah. Um, Thank you for just knowing the exact like acid trip colors. It's what happens when you uh, you study art. But um, what was I saying? I don't remember. (laughs) Oh, let's have modern modern design. design Yeah. Okay. So yeah, if you're the kind of person that like really into mobile gaming and like games to play. In like short chunks, you know, a casual like, piece of shit that we yeah, make. yeah, <laughs> no, or like something like even stuff. Come at me, scrub lord. <laughs> even like, even like, it's like a trend now that like games are starting to be like more rewarding in like smaller chunks. Right. Yeah. And this is just not one of those games. Yeah. I mean, I like games that are more challenging. No, I know, but like, but I, I yeah, I just the don't, time commitment is yeah, it's just something and, that's so yeah. difficult for me to. get These behind. games are made for people who want to sink a lot of time into a game. I feel like I'm gonna have and, to do a lot of explaining to you, which guys is why outside you like, of the cast. Also, why you like handheld gaming so much? That's true. Because you like games in small chunks. Right. And, I also like to play games while like in my underwear in bed, <laughs> like snuggled <laughs> up under the covers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we all like that. Yeah, being warm and comfortable is also kind of the antithesis of playing Dark Souls. Yeah, so, the, yeah Dark Souls is the video game embodiment of being cold and uncomfortable. <laughs> it forces you to face your t- failings so, so often. But I would actually be more sympathetic to your time-wasting point if the enemies that you were forced or... I'm going to say, like, like, kind of forced. It's sort of a weird middle ground in Dark Souls often where it's possible to get around them without engaging them, but often isn't smart. Well, you guys watch me play a lot of the game. Yeah. Please bank that thought, because I'm just going to real quick. Uh, sure. Uh, like, I killed all the enemies in an area the first time that I got to an area, mm-hmm. and then after I arrived at a boss, every single time past that, it was just sprint mode all the way. So yeah, you don't you ne- you don't do not necessarily have to engage every enemy. Okay, it's just, the banked point was that it would feel like more of a waste of time to me if they weren't threatening. Right? Sure. Yeah, because then you're just churning through. Yeah, yeah. Even running and sprinting past them 
has like a meaningful fair sta- fail state. It's like right. it's a moment of tension because if you mess up, you're now in a very horrible situation. Yeah, sometimes yeah. <laughs> you enter a fog door and then get stabbed by a silver knight that like is, a dozen times. That is one of the things about the game, which I think this would just be good to be tabled till later to just talk about things that we think are really flawed about the game. Oh, yeah. Because there are a couple of things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. And yeah. that's one of them. Yeah, basically the run of the boss is not. Uh, it's not. It wouldn't. It's not game breaking, and I can. There's a certain other from software game that I appreciate a lot that does uh, a much better job, in my opinion, of making retrying bosses uh, like not as much of a hassle. But in Dark Souls itself, I feel like there's only a few that are like really egregious. And the ones that... And Quillag, obviously, uh, because of the fucking swamp yeah, and I the boulder throwers. Unless you had the ring. Even with, with the ring, it's still annoying. Oh, the, the, the rusted ring? Or the poison build-up? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I still have to use one of these stupid items, yeah. which definitely counts. The one that came to mind for me was actually the Bed of Chaos. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, and the Let other me say, the run for the Bed of Chaos is not that bad. It's you, you couldn't... You... I'm not going to say you couldn't. I believe fully that you could because it doesn't require a whole lot of effort. Yeah. But you generally never, like, just sprinted past the enemy. Oh, yeah, so I killed all the jugs because yeah. I wanted to kill all the jugs. As a, as a caster, uh, that run to the boss was just sprint past all of the fire-breathing guys and then fire a soul spear at the vacuum cleaner <laughs> mouth monster uh, and then just get in there. Um, the Dyson Whirly Teeth. Yeah. I also think I think Orange Gene and Smo has like a shitty bonfire run too. That's true. Yeah, if you have to get past this, the there's three potential routes mm-hmm. that you can take, and they're all they're all shitty. shitty. <laughs> yeah, like you can either start in the room where Solar is in the castle and go through that way. I have to go through like a billion nights, a bunch of nights, yeah. or you could start uh, from the Dark Moon Tomb. And have to raise the bridge. Right, which is the one that I did. Which yeah, I which is a big time sink yeah. to fucking raise the bridge. Any boss run that involves an elevator yeah. is like physically pains me. I, I agree. <laughs> I, I will almost agree, not physically pains me. But it is really annoying to have to ride a lift back to the boss. Yeah. But, um. The Four Kings is pretty bad. Because you have to go I, all the way through. I actually Yolanda. found that there's like a spot where, you, like, from the original little area that you walk in you can just like roll off the edge and be like right outside the yeah, boss there's door. a place where they're like the you first encounter the ghosts in the whole game where you can jump off of a ledge and be in a little like water pool uh, uh in new yeah. yeah yeah that's uh but that's, that's as you were aware yeah i do you not have, have to, to make that run yeah. so it's okay you would have to discover yeah. that for yourself though which i know that's did. the grand theme of dark souls yeah. though is discover it for yourself you deal with it yeah, it's Dark Souls. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think the most, like, one of the, mo- the more greatest ones for me was just uh, the, what is it, what is that even called? The last area. Oh, the kiln. Yeah, the, the first kiln is, like, so fucking annoying. Because those knights just, they don't stop chasing you. By the time you get to the boss door, they're just all four behind you. Like, at no point do they ever stop. Well, there's more than four of them. I, yeah, there's, like, eight of them. And I, I really do well, think... all four of the ones that you encounter, that necessarily. That, like, Kiln and Ornstein and Smog's lead-up specifically were designed with people like me in mind who kill all of them every time before going to the boss. Right. Specifically because I think that in both of those cases, 
the enemies that you fight leading up to the boss are actually very good practices for the boss. For the boss itself. The, the, like, the giants that you face before getting through Ormiston and Smog, because I always went up the annoying elevator method. Yeah. Uh, so I only fought the, like, the huge guys. It was really good in that big hall because, A, it forced you to split your attention between uh, the guy with the giant bow and right. the huge slow guy in front of you. Which, though obviously a lot easier, mirrors right. really effectively what you have to do in Orange Game and Smog. But there's two big giant guys in there. Right. But you, it's like it's like staggered. You face like big giant guys individually, ah. so you get your timing right. I and can almost do the duo and then go through. Only aggro one of them. They almost always like aggroed together. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I, I will never make the argument that it's poorly designed. Yeah. Uh, I think that. God, I've tried to figure... <laughs> like, I was like, there's something about this game that's just bad, and I can bring up and be like, ah, trumped. Like, this game actually sucks, but it's it's real good. Um, <laughs> uh, but the issue for me um, is I played a caster, so I didn't... Like, my practice would have just wasted all of my spells, yeah. and then I wouldn't have had the ammo required to go up against the boss. That's been such a... Like, your whole playthrough has been, like, such a consistent, like, little a nagging voice in the back, back of my head, because I, I was constantly terrified for a billion reasons that, like, you weren't actually getting the intended experience of the game because you hate the intended experience of the game. <laughs> yeah. I, I felt the same way. Right. That's why I kind of just like told him to play a caster and helped him run through it because I just wanted him to finish it for the cast. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be fair, I did play. I played a caster and I subbed decks. And for the most, like for most of the time that I spent not fighting bosses, I was using swords and shields, yeah. which is the intended way to play the game. Right. It's made excruciatingly clear at the beginning that I have to give shoutouts to. The Bloodborne subreddit. I did not come up with this amazing description of Dark Souls, mm-hmm. but a sordid board turtle fest, <laughs> which is a fantastic way to describe how you play like a strength character, in particular like ones that use great shields. Yep. Um, <laughs> Wait, did you ever beat Gwen? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, I never actually knew until this very moment. Yeah, homing crystal soul mass is a hell of a drug. <laughs> And by that, I mean, it took me all of them, and I died three yeah. times trying it, but still. I beat him uh, before Chad did with Sir Nod. And it filled me with determination. And uh, I found, like, a, a, a strat that he was able to use. Mm. There's, like, the in, when you walk in, like, to the left in the corner, there's, like, a pillar that you can, it's big enough that you can just run around it <laughs> and have Gwyn just keep chasing you, and then there's, like... Opportunities for you yeah. to hit it. I mean, that's like the accepted cheesy Gwyn strat, though. Yeah, it's like you just most of the pillars aren't big enough to run around, though. That's true, but there are pillars that are. Yes, so you just do that. The like, if you're good at the game strat, is to parry him. Yeah. but we're not good at the game. We're turns not. Out. Or if you're not observant and didn't realize either of those things, you can just have Solaire if you're like a... Oh, yeah. I you, killed Solaire. Yeah. Whoops. I really... <laughs> I, it was like mostly coincidence for me because I really, really, really uh, got attached to the, like, Spider-Girl covenant very fast. Oh, yeah. So I already, without knowing the, like, full implications Chaos of it... servant. Yeah. Uh, had opened that door and killed the one that possesses Solaire. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it, I had him through the whole rest of the time... He helps you out at the end there. He, in fact, the first time I played through the game, landed the final blow. Oh, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
Uh, so I got to salute him and as he disappeared into dust. So um, nice. Is there anything more that we want to say about specifically the runs to the bosses? Because it leads into a point that I like that is like the thing that bugs me about this game. Go lot. ahead and move on. Yeah. That's um, a good 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 time to segue. Yeah, the, the the rest of the bosses and the fact that you have to replay things, I think this game is very atmospheric. It has very good art design and is probably my favorite like fantasy world I've ever been in. Like flat out. Don't think that another game has ever done anything I enjoy more. The game is grotesque and terrifying. It's hilarious. It has like just so much in it that I like and I love the creature design and everything about it. It also uses all of that to reinforce the themes, too. Yeah. But lots of layers. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But the runs, the fact that you repeat areas so often, and the fact that you play bosses like the worst ones, like up to like 10 or 15 times, makes the grotesque and the interesting dull and routine. Like, I don't. By the end of the game. Enemies that I thought were super cool no longer had an effect on me. They were just, like, things with health bars that I needed to get through. And I had to run past them. And, like, the, uh... I never remember the name of the area. With all the lava and the, the roaming demons. Uh, the demon ruins? No, the lost isolate. Yeah, lost uh, isolate. Lost. Los isolate. Los isolate. Los <laughs> calling it all the time. Los Angeles. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs> That area being, like, one of my favorite, like, designed areas very quickly become one of my least favorite areas in the game, just because sprinting through the lava to get back to the stupid bed of chaos to fucking run in that stupid hole a hundred stupid times <laughs> yeah, is just not fun to do. Completely agree with you. Uh, Lost Isolith needed a bonfire somewhere. Very bad for many reasons. But do you agree that, uh, like, the aesthetic kind of wears itself out upon, like, forced repetition. Not, I couldn't agree with you, or disagree with you more. (laughs) Yeah, you do this, because you actually like the setting of Dark Souls a whole lot more than I did, Andy. Did I? Yeah. Oh. What you've said on this podcast already, (laughs) uh, I am in this situation, though I liked it a lot, and was actually the first person to start playing this game, definitely the moderate. I enjoyed myself a lot going through it, but I would, like never, to use stupid, ingrained video game number rating system terminology, <laughs> treat this like more than a personal 8 out of 10. Okay, then. Um, when you say using stupid video game number terminology, do you mean 8 as in, like, pretty good, or 8 as in, like, an actual 8 out of 10? Like an actual 8 out of 10, yeah, sorry. Okay, like I, an 80%. Yeah. Like a Even I can't bring myself to, like, actually use the real video game number system, <laughs> where a 6 out of 10 is garbage, and you should never touch it. So, my feelings on it are, like, the world, and I, this is in my notes here, uh, about the world design, is that them not allowing you to warp till halfway through, and then you having to go through so many of the areas so much, because like just leads me to become more familiar with the world and thus more attached to it and finding myself liking it more and more. Oh. See, because like it just becomes like it starts to feel more like a real place. Like you know, if you like move to a new place, like you slowly like learn the area and you become more comfortable with it, more familiar with it. Like mm-hmm. I have that experience with this game. 
Like, I just end up liking the setting and, like, it being in the world of the game because I've become so familiar with it. See, I have sort of two minds on that because, um, like we talked about way back on the Resident Evil podcast, um, the way that this game treats its world, how it treats Lordran, and how it treats the player, uh, sort of like, it makes, I know Dark Souls areas more than I know most games. Like, yeah. and that's just a necessity to play the game. Yeah. Because you need to know where you're going, and Dark Souls is all about the learning experience. But let's not take away from that also, like, credit to the developers. The level design in these games is designed such that the pieces all fit together in a very specific way that helps you memorize those things. Right. Yeah. You have, you're able to look through and touch different areas and see the other areas that you are, you could be in, and oftentimes actually access them themselves. It all just, like, fits together geographically. Well, I think that that's cool, but I don't necessarily think that that element of it, like, being able to see other areas, aids that much in, like, player, like, knowledge of it, it, the it, zone. It aids in your spatial awareness. Like, I'm able to know, like, where certain areas are in relation to others. Right. But, I mean, knowing that a thing is adjacent to another thing is not like a... But that's only it a smaller keep, half to my point. It, it right, that's what I'm saying. I'm talking about things line. like... But, like, landmarks. Yeah, I'm talking about, like, when you get on the elevator when you reach the church where the gargoyles is, and sure. then you travel down that elevator and are back at Firelink. Because now you know exactly, like, how all these things wrap and fit together. Right. You can look geographically and see that, like, oh, the church is right there, and I can see it the whole time. I know the whole wall travels up this distance. Yeah, that, I mean, that's what I'm saying. That's cool, but I don't think that that actually helps at all. Like, I think that... Like, knowing that a, an area is adjacent to another area is a thing that a game can pull off without having a, like, deeply interconnected world with really good design, like this one has, where the areas are visible and it's it's a thing. Like, Metroid Prime lets you know where you are in relation to other things without, like, you having, like, a view of a forest and being like, I'll go to that. Okay, then maybe in order for you to appreciate the point, I'll shrink it, because I think you're focusing a lot on, like, area relations, in particular because of the way I... I well, yeah, that's the thing this. that I think is not that helpful. The, right, right. the micro is astonishingly good. Like in Undeadburg? Yeah. Okay. Like, right. anything. Like, the landmarks in each individual area are very... Like, <laughs> my favorite example of this is after I killed... Uh, the crestfallen warrior. I no longer knew where the stairs were, <laughs> like t- to get to New Londo, because like I always used him as an anchor point. <laughs> that once he was gone, I was like, oh. <laughs> so I had to like I mean, look I'll, at the tree. I was like, yeah, the tree. Yeah, the and then that tree. became the new anchor point for me. Uh, it's very yeah, like the 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 game like makes getting through the areas like habitual. Which is great when you do get the ability to warp, which I don't necessarily fall into the camp that says that you should have been able to warp earlier in the game. I don't either. I kind of like the way that it's set up. Um, But when you do get the ability to warp and can go back and sort of like clean up areas so that you can find the things that you've missed, Mm -hmm. uh, the the fact that you can go back and it's not like a search, it's like you know when you've been in an area, even if it was 30 hours ago. Because you just know the area that well. It's like your own neighborhood. Undeadburg. <laughs> the Berg. 
there's a joke here in relation to the like Ed Ed and Eddie purgatory fan theory that I'm not <laughs> clever enough to make. <laughs> I mean, you would just have to look that up if that is a a thing. Wait, the fan theory? Because it yeah. is a thing. Yeah. The... No, I mean like if that's a thing you want to know about. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> this is not going to turn um, into a fan theory. I guess while we're on the level design, yeah. um, I just want to make the cat, I want to get down on my knees here and put this game's dick in my mouth. <laughs> oh. uh, I think this game has the best level design of any 3D video game ever. I want to disagree just because it's. I feel like there's an apples to oranges situation here. Like, I don't think that you could say that this game... I might accept the argument that this game has the best level design of an action-adventure game. Yeah, okay, yeah. we'll say an action... Sure. A 3D action game. Right. But, like, I mean, there's still... I mean, uh, this could be a personal thing, yeah. but, like, uh, any area that is forested, yeah, I get lost in, like, immediately. Which is what you do in a, in a forest. Yeah. You get lost in a forest. But, I mean, I feel like optimal level design would enforce, like, you being able to learn it. Okay, the area that you get through with the Seal of Artorias... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, never will I know anywhere in that. That's one area, though. Well, that's true. That and whole... also, you ran straight to the bosses in both those areas and didn't spend any time in them. I was in, uh, I, while you guys were not watching me play, mm-hmm. uh, I was in the area beyond the Crest Artorias for, like, probably an hour and a half. What? Just, like, going around, like, killing things. I, I think, I agree that the forests definitely confuse you, but I disagree that optimal level design in that circumstance necessitates that while you're in that forest, you would know where you're supposed to be going at all times. It's not know where you're supposed to be going. In the vein of all of Dark Souls, you just... Like, you should be able to, like, suss out, like, a general direction that isn't going to lead you yeah. straight to a cliff. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. I don't, I don't mean, like, no, we are supposed to be going in, like, an odd way, like, right. I'm looking in this forest Dark for, Souls does not need an objective era. <laughs> yeah, I was talking about objectives. I was talking about just, like, physical orientation. Mm-hmm. I, I think that like, they intentionally designed those huge, open forest areas. To be, like, a contrast? To be confusing. Yeah. I want, they wanted you to feel lost in the woods. Fair. I agree. But now, I think, like, it kind of reinforces the level design, like, the feelings the game wants you to have. Like, we've already talked about, like, the the looping around of all the areas and the shortcuts and stuff. It's super satisfying to, like, discover a shortcut and feel like you get that one little leg up on the game. You're like, I'm figuring you out. (laughs) You know, like, and it helps the sense of progression. Like, it, it... it's giving you those, like, checkpoints of, like, I'm learning this. It's like a milestone. Like, right. I'm getting through. I found this. I found that. I know how to get back to it. I know how to get from here to there. Yeah. And, like, the fact that it, like, all loops around and connects is, like, incredibly commendable. Like, I, I really appreciate that. And I can say, like, super satisfying. Like, when you first, you loop around, you find the shortcut to back to Firelink from the Undead Parish. It's like a mind-blown moment <laughs> that's an exaggeration but it's a really cool moment yeah. and then when you get around to the the depths and you open the shortcut to where the moss lady is and that aqueduct yeah you're like holy crap this links back here too and then like the game just keeps doing that and it's just really satisfying and it just yeah i feel like for a game where i felt like i wasn't ever progressing 
it took me probably about 20 hours of gameplay to, like, fully appreciate the level of, like, care and design that went into designing, like, where shortcuts were placed, where bonfires were, and, like, where items were found. Because, yep. like, those things actually do mark your progress. And losing a bunch of souls, while is sort of played up by a lot of people who talk about the game as, like, a devastating, like, situation is really not. It's, it's not even a little bit. Yeah, just, like, at best, it is non... Like, a non-issue. At best, it's time. That's what it is. Well, at worst, it's or, Sorry, yeah, you're yeah. right. At worst, it's time. At best, it doesn't even matter, because for the most part, this game doesn't really give a shit what level you are. Yeah. Like, to a certain extent, yeah. yeah. It's helpful, obviously, but people have beaten this game on level one, without, yeah. like... Well, I mean, not without issue. I'm sure that it <laughs> took them quite some time. Yeah. But, uh, like, it is, like, completely doable. Yeah. It's, but the point is that, like, soul level one playthroughs aren't, like, the things that speedrunners do, which require right. immense amounts of practice and repetition. It's just, like, the hardest mode that exists. Right. It's right. a thing that's yeah. generally possible, but unbelievably difficult. Not, like, a thing that requires months of training. Yeah. Well, SL1 All Melee is the is the difficult mode. SL1 Pyromancy is still kind of easy. But, uh, to get back to what I was saying, um... Dick sucking, I believe, was not... Yeah, yeah. Was to, on the, the table. Dick, to put the dick back in my mouth for a little bit. Um, I think also, like, the level design really adds to, like, the environmental storytelling. Like, mm-hmm. it's amazing the amount of layers there is to everything in this game. Like, everything ties into everything. Like, the level design communicates the theme, it tells its own story, it's got its own hints, and it's got its own implications, and it's got its own... Methods enemi- of signaling? Signaling. It's got its own enemies. Pretty much each area has unique enemies. Which it's just, like, the amount of depth packed into the level design is incredible, I think. And that they were ballsy enough to hide some of it. Yeah. Literally hide it. Yeah. Uh, in my playthrough, uh, even with... <laughs> the thing I have in my notes is that I got by with parenthetical a lot more than a little help from my friends. <laughs> uh, because I... S- technically speaking, I started playing Dark Souls in 2013. Mm. Uh, and my friend Mark... Uh, who I wanted to be on this podcast, but he did not uh, want to do it aw. because he's a shy dude. Uh, <laughs> um, basically taught me how to play the game. Like, how the combat works and, like, what your optimal ins and outs. Because, like, my first initial... I think it's most people who just play video games generally. Going into Dark Souls, your, like, first instinct is to just, like, sprint at a guy and, like, just start hacking mm-hmm, at him. Yeah. And this game doesn't want you to do that. It doesn't let you do that. Yeah. I mean, it's not impossible <laughs> if you, you know, are super lucky all the time. But either way, he basically taught me how to play. Uh, Andy acted as like a, like a prima strategy guide, which I feel like anyone who's beaten this game basically can do. Because, like, you know this game when you've played it. 
Uh, I'm sorry, I just keep picturing Andy as like the narrator in like a Star Fox game where the head comes up in the bottom yeah, left, yeah. but you're just reading quotes from Prima Strategy <laughs> Guides. I was imagining uh, him on the cover of a Prima Strategy Guide. <laughs> but uh, this podcast brought to you by Prima. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, and the, yeah, and then JJ literally helped me through like bosses and areas that I was having trouble with. By just being summoned in. And uh, to connect it to like, the larger point, is it's just like, this game has all of these like unique things in it, but it also lets you sort of like circumvent that. And even with you helping me, there were areas I didn't find. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I never ended yeah. up going to... I didn't to tell the... you everything. Right. You didn't end up going where? Oh, to uh, the Great Hollow. I think oh yeah, I showed you the Great Hollow on yeah. my playthrough, but I, I don't know if there are any other areas that I completely bypassed. I know there are areas I went to and then just was like, "Fuck!" Like, you this. didn't. You, you only did like the first like third of the DLC, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I got to Artorius, got my ass miserably handed to me like seven <laughs> times. So it was just like, "Yeah, this is not necessary. I can just go away." <laughs> but when we're talking about like. Sort of the difficulty of this game, which I think a lot of people talk about, and, oh, this game's sadistic, which I don't want to, I don't think that's true. Neither do I. Yeah, I, I, I think the game is manageable, and it has a lot of things that assist that, mm-hmm. but I want to know, with the exception of obviously me, because of my inability to do Dark Souls things, mm-hmm. uh, which one of us do we think had the most difficult time our first time through, because notably, Andy played a strength character, yeah. JJ played a dex character, and I played an int character. Hmm. We so, had all the bases covered. Except for Faith. Right, you mean, played like, a Faith character yeah, later, Like though, the so, standard, yeah. uh, like, fantasy, like, what is it, tent poles? Yeah, we've got yeah, the, yeah. the, yeah. Knight, the, the knight, the knight, the thief, and the <laughs> wizard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, you were you were a shitty wizard in Dark Souls, though. Yeah, um, I think JJ and I had about a similar amount of difficulty. Yeah, that, I feel like it's actually I think to the game's credit is that the game, uh, unless you you know using magic and just fuck a cheater, uh, <laughs> really is yeah, just your like sweet strategy. Yeah, it's yeah. only contextually difficult, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't think there's enough of a gap between like who had the more difficult time overall for it to be, like, meaningful to discuss. There were bosses that I found more difficult than Andy did and bosses that Andy found way more difficult than I did. And I don't think that there was, like, even a huge imbalance between those. Yeah, it kind of balances out. And I think there was only one boss that I found, like, truly difficult as a magic user, and that was Gwyn. Like, Gwyn just rocked my fucking balls off every time (laughs) that I approached him. Uh... Just because he will not give you any space. Nope. There's the same reason, like, you, like, made the argument that, like, the Demon Fire Sage is one of the easiest bosses in the game. It took you, like, 12 tries. Yeah. It's because you're in this small arena with this huge, fat bastard, like, trying to get enough space to launch out. Because your spells aren't going to miss. Right. Yeah, He's yeah. huge. Yeah. <laughs> There'll be a roll there for it to get caught in. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah, it's, uh... Yeah, my strategy is, like circle around the enemy and try to t- attack them from the back. Right. Basically what I did with all the enemies. <laughs> well, I was just curious because uh, I because obviously I didn't play a strength character. I played sort of a dex character in as much as 
like most of the like easy mobs I like killed with like, the fury sword or whatever. Yeah, uh, great scythe, dopest weapon ever. Uh, <laughs> um, but I was just curious if like you guys found any like significant difference in uh, playing through. But yeah. I guess not. It's really. just certain bosses I think are more challenging for certain builds. Is yeah. what it boils down to. There's a really nice sort of gradient in the game that exists where going through different play styles, even though if we like look at specific points, like we know that both the way me and Andy played the game was very starkly different from the way you as a caster approach situations. Yes. But between just the two of us... Andy attempt to play as my character, and it was like hysterical. Oh. <laughs> it was like if you were like in a fist fight and you had a gun and you were just like running, like strafing around the guy at point blank range, firing <laughs> shots, like... <laughs> It was pretty interesting, because that's not how I uh, would have approached the situation. Yeah. I, I almost beat Artorius. By doing character. that, <laughs> miraculously. I don't well, know. Nice job. But, but anyway. But yeah, it's just a very minor gradient between like the way that you play, even differences as large between strength and dex characters. You can get to extremes, but you don't. Obvi- you aren't a lot of times actually incentivized to be like, the super extreme version of one or the other when you play it. The first time I went through Dark Souls, I was a dex character, but I was like a dex spear character, and I had like medium weight shields, and I was just kind of poking at things from behind as much cover as I could carry with me. But, you know, and like Andy instead was like just the heavier version of that, essentially, with like less reach and just more armor and a little bit you know, more willing to like, instead of a, sh- a spear, you more were just in- hitting with clubs and stuff. Yeah. More uh, but, endurance. I was able to tank more. Yeah, oh yeah. Dude, after watching Andy go through the game as Sir Nud, uh, <laughs> his more recent, like, knight pyromancer character, yeah. uh, like, I was just, like, fucking completely green with envy at the amount of stamina that he had by the end of the game. Yeah. Like, it, it was longer than your health bar. Yeah. Yeah. That was not the case for me. Like, I had so little endurance in comparison to like, my other stats, that it was just, like, I, I would do, like, four rolls and be, like, out of breath. <laughs> yeah, jeez, yeah. Like, God, I'm continuing to picture your character as, like, an out-of-weight fat guy with... Out-of-weight? Out-of-weight, <laughs> out of, out of, maybe. Out of his weight class. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because, like, your last guy, that, like, your actual armor-optimized last wind fighter. <laughs> we, yeah, we cooked up this amazing um, set. mix set <laughs> with, like, the giant... Fucking yellow ball hat and havels and like a red skirt without shoes on. Yeah. And a scythe and magic wands. You were like the stereotype of like the, the like no way in lore D and D character who's just like stapling all the good stuff. <laughs> yeah. I was person. I was like, I want to have the medium role with as much armor as I physically can put on. And maintain that. And, like, the crimson robes are sweet. Havel's armor is fucking Havel's armor. I think it has the highest physical defense rating in the game. <laughs> I just wanted to, like, not be punished for fucking up. Yeah. I think this is an interesting thing that sort of uh, partially explains the lack of huge gradient in playstyles. I don't think actual armor makes a lot of difference at all. I've gone through the character, my third character was like 
a katana wielding, no HP minimum level I could character, mm-hmm. uh, which means I was always under level. So not only was I wearing super light armor, I had very low defense relative to the things that I was facing. Mm-hmm. And my second character before the, that third one was the most armored person you could be. And the difference was not crazy. Like, I was not able to take infinite more damage in comparison to the previous character. It doesn't matter as much as you think it does on your first time through. And I was controlling for HP, too. Like, I didn't put a whole lot of points in HP in either character. Leveling's the same way. Like, leveling doesn't make as big of a difference as you feel like it does the first time. Yeah. It does. It's such a... Okay. This is a huge thing that I like about Dark Souls and a huge thing that I absolutely hate about Dark Souls. Uh in this point because I love the way that leveling actually works like in the abstract mm-hmm. because you put points in like the skills you want to make better and like you don't see like a significant improvement immediately but the levels sort of just flow like you're just always leveling up like it doesn't take very long even at the higher levels like as long as you're farming in appropriate areas you can get enough souls if you really want to to level but you see a significant difference over the course of the game. Mm-hmm. It makes you feel like you're legitimately just getting stronger as you're getting better at the game. Yeah. Which is why the difficulty curve of the game works so well. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I hate about Dark Souls is that the level-up system itself is so like ludicrously esoteric. Yeah. Oh my yep. god. I, I despise that those elements of the games. It, I, it like, just presents you with a straight-up like, D&D stat sheet. And it's like... You yeah. figure it out. That's... I mean, I've yeah, read the interviews. Rec- yeah. I know that the goal and the design of this game was a person attempting to, like, simulate the experience of trying to, like, learn about a, a world with only the barest possible knowledge you could have and only the barest, like, ways to learn about it you could have. Right. But that goal has always been in relation into learning about, like, a world, learning how to overcome challenges, things like that. Things that you can constantly change your approach to and that don't have like permanent negative consequences if you fail to do it at a particular time the stat page is not like that if (laughs) if you waste like you know i don't know what appropriate level is for this metaphor but like five thousand souls at one time on a, a stat and you just found out that you just didn't understand what it was doing or then even more in stream circumstance like what happened to me in my first playthrough if you ascend a weapon into, like, one of its magic forms. Right. Because even within the context of that stat page, the numbers are just going up, and then it turns out to be, like, way, way worse for you. That's... That's horrible. It's... it's it's Oh, my goodness. Yeah. No, Get it's... It back up here. And it, like... Yeah. Uh, I'll argue, like, just briefly, that Bloodborne improved that system, in that the stats are, like, less esoteric, but the level of, like just things they show you on screen in Dark Souls and just from software has not made any like significant improvements over the last five years to that system to make it more clear. Mm-hmm. And the the weapon ascension thing is a good example because it, it doesn't really show you anything to dissuade you from doing it. Right. And I don't think they're ever gonna change it either. Right. Mm-hmm. I think it just works yeah. for them. Yeah. I would recommend we'll, we'll get Dark Souls 3 and it's just like <laughs> like perfect like there's the stats just like directly translate <laughs> but yeah I would recommend to anybody who hasn't played the game 
that to just Google how this leveling up works. Absolutely. Ascending weapons and stuff. I don't feel personally. I don't feel like not googling anything you don't understand is really that beneficial to you. I agree. In fact, I'm willing to take it further and say that the the way that the message system is implemented in all of the fun software games suggests very strongly that you are supposed to approach the game as someone like looking for help whenever you can find it, including outside of the context of the game. Right. Like I think the game expects you to google stuff. It's a game that was made I in a like a world where it's just ubiquitous that everyone will Google a thing about a game. I disagree. I think the goal of the message system is to bring back the pre-internet feeling, where if you like, you had to like, you couldn't Google it, and you would have to like rely on other people or your friends to be like, oh, I found this secret thing. Try this. Well, it might be to evoke that feeling, but yeah. I don't think that the game. And I think. Once the data's been mined and you can just look everything up, it kind of like cheapens that system. But like, imagine playing it the game when it, right when it comes out, no one knows anything. It's like a community helping each other to beat the game and to find all the secrets. Like, I think that's what they want. I mean, if that's what they want, then they should have just skipped it because that's an experience that only a very small percentage of early adopters are going to. Yeah, get. but I still think. <laughs> That's how they want people to play the game, ideally. I don't know. I, I feel like any Souls game is, like, an ex- I'm broadening that statement. I feel like no one should ever feel bad about looking anything well, up ever. I'm not suggesting, I'm not suggesting that you should feel bad. Oh, no, you should yeah. feel bad. You should absolutely feel bad. You should feel terrible in plenty of circumstances, including within the context of Dark Souls. I, I, the statement I made previously was I said that the game expected you in certain circumstances not to just be like I'm going to Google all the areas and everything that happens and follow <laughs> the, I, like I don't think the, the game expects you to like follow the wiki I'm suggesting that the game is, expects you in certain circumstances to for example uh, not be able to know like where one of the uh, Ascension things is or something. Oh, like about, a, an ember. Yeah, or if there's like a locked door, like that's consistent. I think the game, in some res- in some respects, expects you to Google individual problems if you're stuck for that period of time, and that the message system was a stopgap to well, I... help players serve that function to each other and not allow you to have to break the flow of the game and pull out your phone. Right. See, I'm not. I feel like I need to clarify. I'm not arguing that everyone should just walk through every single thing that they play. <laughs> I mean that I feel like if you are like playing a game and are not having fun or not experiencing the game because you can't do a thing and you look it up, that you shouldn't feel bad about it. Oh. In I... any circumstance. Because, uh, mm. like... I mean, I guess if you're playing a puzzle game and you're looking up solutions to the puzzle so that you can click a box... <laughs> It's a little unnecessary. At that point, why are you even playing the game, right? Yeah, but, like, right. I, I just don't feel like you should be yeah, like, oh, I agree. I didn't get the Dark Souls experience yeah, yeah, because I, I agree. knew about a thing. Yeah, I agree that people shouldn't feel bad about that. On the other hand, I personally would feel bad about it. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like... I don't like... I feel, always feel like, oh, man, I had to look it up. Like, there's <laughs> a, You understand that there's, there's, like, a gradient between the, like... I need help and feel bad, but want to but want to continue and look something up so I can get to the fun parts again. Thing on one end of the scale, and the 
I am just looking up the way to win a la puzzle game removing all challenge, right? Like those things are connected on the same metric and you can learn the things about games that fall in between those points. Example, learning about the like pillar that exists in the Gwyn area that can be exploited to just allow you to win without challenge. Well, well it that's... doesn't allow you to win without challenge. Right, yeah, no, it was still Oh, challenging. and it's not like an AI thing where you just no, circles around it? No. Oh, no, it can, because it can, you still have to engage it. It gives you space between Gwyn. Oh, yeah. okay. Is okay. what it does. It allows you to fight him properly. Also, sure. And not have maybe... him just be like... <laughs> maybe <laughs> better example. <laughs> better example, then. Looking up that it's possible to kill the last DLC boss with a bow from outside the boss arena. I didn't know that. Yeah, there's actually... Now, I assume this was intentional, too, which raises interesting you questions. You just kill Manus? Yeah, yeah, Manus... With you, a bow. You know how right before you ran this fog gate, how you're, like, you're actually way, way above him and he grabs you and pulls you down? Well, in that cliff, in between, like, the two sides where there's a little bridge that goes over to the fog gate, you can look down and just, like, see his glowing eyes, and you can just shoot, like, 200 arrows until he's dead. Wow. Right. Well, yeah, that's exactly the kind of thing that I think is pretty analogous to the puzzle game situation. Where if you do that, then what are you here for? Right. Well, I mean, <laughs> I guess hmm. that is a. Good. I was going to say, there's just, uh, just reminded me of this. There's another fun exploit I just learned about where you can stand outside the Capra Demon boss arena and, like, pull out your binoculars and, like, put them in a specific spot. And then just throw firebombs over the wall. What? And pitch the Capra Demon. <laughs> and just do most of his damage, then run through the fog door and, like, kill him quickly. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> is it, while I agree that there's obviously a gradient, and, like, they exist on the same spectrum, like, I feel like if you're having trouble with that boss and you Google it, and you come across that piece of information, like, how many people are actually going to do, like, take that strategy over, like, just, like, finding general tips? And being like, this attack is parryable. This attack is, like, easy to roll through. Oh, sure. Maybe and that I'm, kind of stuff I'm more okay with. Maybe I'm cynical, but I feel like a lot of people would take the cheese this boss immediately route. Right. In Dark Souls specifically, because... It should be noted, I probably would have never finished this game if it wasn't out of, like, some sense of obligation for the podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, I probably would have done that, but fortunately, it's a DLC boss and therefore not required, and I just didn't fight him ever. Yeah. So, whatever. But, uh, I don't, I mean, there are certain things, especially in this game, that I feel like cheesing, as we're putting it, as I love to put it, <laughs> no judgments, uh, is... It almost just more acceptable in this game than in a lot. Definitely. I yeah. think it's okay... If Coming you... from the, the int wizard class. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's okay to do if you find the way yourself. I disagree with that completely. If you, I feel like if you look it up, that's. I just think that's cheap. I don't think anybody is Googling, like... This is something that you happen across. Now, do people Google easy... Gwyn. They do. People Google that. <laughs> they were like, easy, easy kill Gwyn. People yeah, do, they, and like, they do that with all the bosses, I'm sure. Like, is there an exploit so I can kill the boss easy? Yeah, well, there are people who play that way. Another example is that the classic solution to the uh, three, and I hear this parroted everywhere, uh, because it's, it's particularly difficult for the level that you encounter it, 
uh, when you are trying to get the soul back with a firekeeper that was killed mm. by uh, that one guy. Latrek. Yeah, but Latrek. Kind of making a nice little shot back to the bottom. Uh, remember when, when... Remember, you watched... Well, me, when you like, invade Latrek, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. The classic, like, thing that everyone tells everyone else to do in that situation is to uh, get a longbow with the hawk ring so that you can shoot arrows farther, and then get a bunch of poison arrows, and then poison all of them until they're almost dead. Yeah. The way that I liked that Andy did it was by just doing, like, circuits around the area. You just run up the stairs. And, and they will, for some reason, other. jump off of, like, the like of the high cliff face <laughs> to get to you. So they would just be like, ah! Yeah, <laughs> Latrek died by jumping off the top of the stairs. Wait, what? <laughs> he, didn't di- he didn't lose all his health. I'd been fighting him. Right, but, yeah. like, he, he, the final amount of damage was done by him falling off oh, the stairs. <laughs> I thought that was literally impossible. They're all intentionally enchanted when you enter the room with that, like, in- intelligence, like, foot spell. So, so specifically so you can't do that. All their feet are glowing when you go into the room. Uh, I killed the mage Yeah, first. no, we literally watched this happen. Yeah. What? He, yeah. Uh, I was it's... standing there at the bottom of the stairs waiting for them to catch up. Yeah. Right. Trek just falls into <laughs> frame and it's like, oh! <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> it was hilarious. crazy. To be fair, the, like we've said before, the enemies in this game use the same equipment that the player character does, mm-hmm. and those spells run out. Yeah, I guess that's so, what happened. Yeah, I think that spell, and I never used it because I'm, I'm a hardcore badass <laughs> who don't need no help. Uh, yeah, you just jump around Blight Town on your own and use distance to spell fear. JJ was physically in Blight Town with me when I was going through it, and like he'd be like, Where do you want to go next? And I was like, On a beam 50 feet away, <laughs> like, I just jumped down here, I don't know what to do now. <laughs> So um, I kept having to make these like really specific jumps that he somehow made, which were almost barely intentional, I'm sure. Yeah, that's a uh, I like uh, just completely against what I'm sure this game was like going for. Love platforming in from software games because it's so unintentional that like the things that you can walk on are just somehow accessible. Okay. That's all of the. Uh, the messages that have gotten fine yeah. ratings in Bloodborne that I have are all like just things that I put in stupid locations and say like here. But now that we've established our opinion on Dark Souls platforming, Which is I want to add add one more thing to the previous like how much do you Google in Dark Souls discussion, mm-hmm. which is that I think we're actually sort of like rediscovering and dancing around the classic MMO problem of how do you deal with players when they become so goal-oriented that they become willing to do the thing that's not fun if it's more within the context of the game successful. Like, in the same way that you have, like, Destiny Loot Cave situations in which you do something that's boring as shit that gets you... (laughs) But it gives you, like, guaranteed success, but maybe not even as much success as, like, accomplishing the crazy thing. Right. Players will do things like that over and over again because they're, like guaranteed routes to success and again success within the context of the game they'll do the thing that's not fun for them but the game tells them is good instead of the thing that they find fun and that the game tells them is bad i bet i feel like that happens in dark souls because it's like people view it as like a bragging thing like i beat dark souls and yeah. like that's like the motivation behind it mm-hmm. 
That's uh, and there's other rewards in MMOs, but yeah, true. yeah. different kind of game. Yeah, there's a uh, well. I mean, I think the ultimate example of that is fortunately locked away in like the PvP arena because people will go out of their way to do the dumbest possible things just to like mid max their character for PvP, which is totally understandable because the player combat in this game is like outstanding, like super fun. Really, uh, but the like what you have to do to reach that like building a new like playing like a fighting game you would just like pick a guy and he is a guy and you fight with the guy in Dark Souls to like respec and like make a new PvP character takes like 20 plus hours which is like an insane time commitment just to play with a different character at that point it's totally acceptable to do the not fun thing. But at oh, the same yeah, time... because you're not, like, actually playing through the game at that point. You're right, just you're making just... a new character to beat other people. Right, right. Yeah. You have a different thing that will eventually be fun. The, right. the, the thing that's so sucky about the MO situation is that they don't have that thing. They just if have another just... goal to try to attain. Yeah, if they just keep getting, like, infinite gold or in some you know hypothetical situation, like, the infinitely good item, there isn't, like the next fun thing after that they've just beaten everything yeah I think it's just so that they can say they've beaten Dark Souls would be the motivation like I was saying though I mean Pokemon when we were younger and played that in like an actual like competitive with each other at that same kind of time commitment like a week ago when I was playing Pokemon (laughs) (laughs) if you want to respec your strategy in Pokemon within the context of a whole team you're talking more than fucking 20 hours that's true yeah well okay alright I think what the 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 biggest rebuttal that I can give for this is that a lot of my issue with Dark Souls and what I think the game just sort of brings upon itself in order to accomplish the goals that it sets forth, like the necessary evil, mm-hmm. is the fact of diminishing returns, and that a cool boss is only cool the first couple of times, and then after a lot of times and not you're no longer having fun fighting the boss you're just throwing yourself into the meat grinder and like if you were just not capable of being it. like if it is a thing that you're just not good enough it will stop being fun very quickly now it might be fun if you put in the time and become better or grind some levels and go in and finally overcome the goal but in the moment you're not having a great time I'm sure that on your 30th time through Ornstein and Smo, you weren't like, oh boy, Ornstein, I love these guys. I'm sure that you were like, man, I really hope that this is the time I win. Okay. Uh, And I think at that point it's okay. The less fun thing becomes more fun than the thing that you're not having fun doing. I probably enjoyed fighting them probably up through like 50 times. Because I I still can't believe it took you that many times (laughs) to get through Ornstein and Smog. They're tough. It's because it's because I, I was a strength character and relied on a shield. Like I've watched other people play it, who, and like they like dodged through Smo's attacks, which I just couldn't do. Uh, I had to tank the attacks that he would do, which would like break my stamina. Yeah, and then he would just kill me. Smo is like just a shield breaker. Yeah, that's like his so, whole like, function. That's that why fight. it was so hard for me. I get you. But anyway, but yeah, with, I think. I've got a comparison to make between the, the topical conversation before we were just talking with Andy. Uh, I don't think... Going in with the assumption, like, the game isn't fun, 
if you're unwilling to put in the time to like learn the things about the game necessary to win. That while that's accurate, I don't think it's the place of games generally to like cater to that kind of audience. And as a comparison, because I think that sounds more unreasonable when I say it like that. Imagine harsh. like if you gave let's just because everyone listening is pr- might probably familiar with this and we are too. If we give Star Fox 64 to your mother, who has never like played a game before, okay? Sure. Uh, and she doesn't like using the barrel roll because it makes her move faster than she can deal with. Sure. Right? And she keeps getting thrown in situations where there are tons of bullets on screen because that happens in this game. And she can't, like, you know, target fast enough. And she, and she refuses to roll. And she just keeps dying over and over. And, like, it's the game over screen, which in Star Fox just ends your whole run. Yep. So she just loses. I don't... I think it's okay for a Star Fox 64 to be made and created under the assumption that it's going to be with kind of people with, like, that level of dexterity, that level of, like, willingness to engage with its mechanics and, like, test itself and willingness for failure. Games have individualized, like, you must be this tall to ride barriers. Right. I think the point of Dark Souls is that they made a game where they intentionally raised that barrier, and I don't think the fact that by doing that, Dark Souls has increased the amount of the audience who cannot engage with it is a fault. I think it's just an intentional design choice. That's not... Okay, I don't disagree with that, but it's just barely tangential to the point that I was trying to make. Um, because I agree, like Dark Souls is made for an audience that wants to play Dark Souls, so it's n- it's not unacceptable for them to create things that are difficult and require the kind of person who will put the time in and learn and do it. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying, because I do agree with that, the the point that I make is that. A lot of games have walls for certain people. Like, certain things that certain people are not good at. And I think that if that person is otherwise, like, you know, will move on and continue playing the game normally, but just get shut down by a particular thing, it's not, like, a bad thing that there are some cheesy ways to get through. Like, the example that I want to bring up and I might bring it up later and everyone's going to groan again when I do it, uh, is to Monster Hunter. Because that's a game that consistently has... Like, people always talk about being walled in that game. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I know, but like, the first time that I encountered Brecadia, it's like I got smashed into a million pieces time and time and time again, and I learned a whole new weapon to get past it. And it's like, that just requires... It, sometimes you just need to... Find out what you're doing wrong and try something else. And if that thing is not as, like, engaging or fun, but it allows you to move past it, I think that's a totally fine thing to do. And, I mean, even the message system, which we said acts as, like, a stopgap between the game and your phone, mm-hmm. uh, does the same kind of thing. It is a message, because I can't remember any of the messages from Dark Souls in Bloodborne that just said, like, use of terrain is effective near a boss that frequently would just fall his ass off a cliff. Mm. And so it's like, put yourself in a position to make him fall off and you won't have to fight him. And it just says, on ground, you look at it. Mm. And it's there, in the game. (laughs) I think it's a thing that's acceptable and built into the game in a way that makes it, like, accessible as well. Mm. But, 
Unless you have a thing. I don't know if I have a thing. That's the, that's the thing. Do you have a yeah. thing? It just, I just depends on where you draw the line, I think. Like, I feel like some of the things that we've described here are okay and others aren't. Right. So it just, I think it personally depends on where you draw the line in the sand. Like, I like the hints because they're like, a lot of the time they're cryptic and they are just that. They are hints. Right. And they're designed to be cryptic. Yeah, so I think that's completely fine. But like... And, like, you were describing Monster Hunter, like, if you want to, like, Google, like, what am I doing wrong? Right. And you're like, oh, maybe try this other weapon. I think that's totally fine, too. Mm -hmm. But, like, looking up, like, easy kill boss, <laughs> I think it's okay. not cool. As a point of, like... Like, throwing the fire bombs over the wall. What, <laughs> uh, as a point of comparison... Not cool. Just to see, like, like, just to gauge, like, your feelings on the matter. Yeah. Do you think it is more or less acceptable, because we're putting, like, Googling easy kill right. as, like, a we know this is bad. That's definitely... That's our litmus test. And... Yeah. Yeah. Where do you place, in relation to that, okay. Googling, like, where do I find, like, weapon X? Or, like, not Wolverine, like, uh... Where do I find weapon X? <laughs> variable weapon. Where's Wolverine? Why is he in this game? What's the context? So, like... You're playing the game, yeah. and you heard through the grapevine about uh, Quilog's Fury Sword, and you're like, I want to make that weapon. That's a terrible example, because you actually make that one. So you hear <laughs> about, like... The great site. That's the one people yeah, always okay, do. Yeah, okay, yeah. great. I did that. Uh, so I wanted to know where the great site was. I I just got it for you. That's, That's true. You, that you actually had the controller in your yeah, hand. Yeah, I was like, I'll go grab it. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, I'm for the record uh, perfectly fine with that because I think it, it, it as an example of one of the the things I was discussing at the very very beginning of this whole conversation. Uh, I think being able to, the, I think the game understands that sometimes you're just going to Google when the Great Scythe is because there's a point at which you're not just going to discover the Great Scythe organically, right? Right. Like, you're going to be out of the area, you're not going to search for this thing forever, even if you already know about it, and instead of having you waste your time, the game is okay. Well, I feel like the Great Scythe, I is think... in particular, wants to be a reward for if you, like, find it. Like, if you stumble upon it. Yeah, sure. Because the game doesn't assume that you know where, like, that, like what the weapons are. Yeah. yeah. Unless it introduces it to I would say, I would place it personally on the not okay side of the line. As, the reason I ask is because even though you did grab that for me, like, you did also state publicly that you were against my Dark Souls playthrough as a whole. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, like, yeah. I feel yeah. like nothing about what you did. Yeah. I oh, wouldn't no. have played it any other way. Including the worst thing, which hasn't been brought up yet, which is that... You Googled this? Who, how did you even learn about this? Oh, the Dark Souls glitch. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that, you, that you just copied, uh, like... Soul of Sif over yeah, and like over again. Lord Souls for Free Souls. Yeah. I found out about it. Yeah, I wasn't there. But yeah. I knew about it from the speedrun community. Because I watch uh, uh, speedruns. That makes sense. Uh, but... But yeah, yeah. That, the great side is something I didn't find on my first playthrough, and yeah. have found from like watching other things. I still don't know where it is. Ah, you want me to tell you where it is? No, no, okay. don't don't spoil it for the listeners. I mean, I'm completely okay. Like I said, I'm okay, but I've just yeah. it was never interesting. So in the yeah, site, so. what I was gonna say is, personally, I would put it above the line, but I wouldn't know what to say with whether or not I think it's generally okay for players to do. Right. I just because think I think yeah, weird. finding the weapons on your own I think should be like I don't know, like a rewarding experience. Right. See, I didn't find almost anything about Dark Souls all that rewarding, and 
there's a like it's designed to be, and I it's believe of that lots that of people it. are. Yeah. It's not even that because there's a. I feel like this is something I want to get into. When You've we also talk had about a watched game. people play the game before several yeah. times because it's such like a. So yeah, a that's honestly the most damaging thing I thought. I thought in, in like your whole approach and attempted engagement with this, even though there were times because it became so hard for me to like even when I was playing with you, like, know what things, like, could or could not be spoiled for you, because they had been spoiled already by you watching Mark go through the game. Yeah. Um, Mark and Brandon. Because, like... And, like, three other people. Yeah. Alex. Because you just had, like, almost no discovery, right? Like, 80% of the time... Here's the thing. The aesthetic of Dark Souls is so up my alley, weirdly. It, like, it's just so, like, gross and, like, frightening and cool (laughs) that, like, when I... When I would walk into a new area, like, for myself, even things that I've seen, like, out of context before, right. I would walk into an area and, like, I would just, like, my eyes would fucking widen and, like, jaw drop. I'm like, this is awesome. Like, everything about this is cool and great and I love it. Yeah. But then things that weren't rewarding were actually, like, doing it. Well, I don't think it was because I didn't... It wasn't because just, I knew about things. There's gotta be some It's just because of, I don't engage with the combat the way that it... I, I feel like it has to it affect should. it a little bit, since you like Bloodborne so much. I love it. <laughs> I feel like there's... I'm gonna have to I'm, do a lot of explaining no, to you guys I'm outside sure, of the cast. I, yeah. I totally believe you mm-hmm. that there is lots of other reasons. I feel like it's gotta factor in, though. The is fact that it's that, new? yeah. I mean, I'll acknowledge I've been Googling where weapons are. I'm not That's... using any of them. <laughs> I'm only using two weapons, but I have been Googling where to find things just because I like finding things. I'm not finding, getting things and having right. them in my inventory. Yeah. I have a weird, this Skyrim thing is really creeping back yeah. in. <laughs> You're Scrooge McDucking this really yeah. hard right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> Once I again, like things. I so like much. being greedy yeah. and just having lots yeah. of stuff. It just depends on, like, the kind of experience you like, I guess. Yeah. Like, I like finding it all for myself, and I think JJ did, too. I... Or at least that's the way you played it. I don't know if you liked it. All right, okay. Yeah, if you have a response to that. I... To that specifically... I I don't know. I think this ties in with a lot of my whole approach to this, because I always treated not just individual circumstances within Dark Souls, but Dark Souls as a whole as, like, my adversary. Like, I went to Dark Souls as, in, in almost like a less extreme way of the way it was marketed, which is a thing for me to beat. So, like, I would enter an area, and my first thought process would be, like, how can I be as safe as humanly possible in this area? Right. Because I equated safety with, like, you know, the victory condition of the situation. So, I wouldn't, like, I would, like, for example, get to Blight Town. Or not, I keep using Blight Town because it's like weirdly emblematic of the game to me for that reason, I think. Yeah. It's because there are so many yeah, ways you feel very unsafe. Yeah, yeah, you have to be so fucking careful with everything you do all the time, and that was sort of emblematic of the, the way I played the first That is time. not the way that I felt. I mean, we went through Blight Town together, whatever. Yeah. The thing, but the area that actually I think ruined the game for me uh, is Ruined sen- the game. Ruined the game yeah. is Sense Fortress. Because. The moment that they introduced, like, traps in areas and mimics, and mimics less so because you just hit a thing and then you're like, oh, it's not a mimic. But traps made my playing the game, like, I was forced to take the game differently than how I would like to go through it. Which is what? Which is what? Which is what I want to talk about 
later when we come back from the prank that I'm trying to get to. <laughs> Thank you for listening to uh, No Clip this week. Uh, we're going to be back next week with part two of this Dark Souls cast. Uh, until then, if you want to get a hold of us, it's going to be on Gmail, uh, NoClipPodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter, at NoClipPodcast, on our website, NoClipPodcast.com, and on YouTube, at just NoClip. Uh, thanks. Two parts. And fucking long. <laughs> quality sequence initiated. Commencing high quality. Ugh. We need like a Voltron-esque quality loading sequence. <laughs> we can probably in this audio medium. We all form into one being to record right. the podcast. A being named Quality. Yeah. Quality Tron. <laughs>